I'm Dr. Michael Detola. And I'm Megan Strong. Put down the handpiece. It's time for Chairside Live. Welcome to Chairside Live. Megan, how are you? Great, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Today we've got an interesting case of the week for you. It's a Bruxer crown on a lower second molar that a doctor sent in to us. And there wasn't enough room, and so the technicians called the doctor, and the doctor had some interesting suggestions about what we could do to help fix this case for them. And we'll take a look at maybe what could have been done a little bit better at the beginning of the case. But before we get to that, let's hear from Megan in the news. All right. A new study suggests that a special brushing method can help protect against tooth decay. Researchers at a university in Sweden say rubbing toothpaste on your teeth increases fluoride protection by 400%. The researchers tested a toothpaste containing greater than three times more fluoride than standard toothpaste. Sixteen volunteers tested different brushing techniques using either high fluoride or standard toothpaste and brushing either twice or three times daily. Rubbing toothpaste onto the teeth with the finger was found to be as effective as a third brushing in increasing the amount of fluoride in the mouth. Yeah, that's pretty liberating. That's, uh, you know, uh, assuming your finger is clean, and actually, come to think of it, I'm not sure where this one's been, but uh, assuming your finger is clean, there's no excuse for not having a toothbrush at work. So, yes, I will pass that on to patients. Anything else? Yes. Well, a new report from the May-June 2012 issue of General Dentistry found that the acidity in sports drinks and energy drinks is increasingly responsible for irreversible damage to teeth, especially in adolescents and young adults. The author of the study says the drinks are essentially bathing your teeth with battery acid. Researchers looked at acidity levels in 13 different sports drinks and found wide-ranging levels among brands and even flavors of the same brand. Well, that's kind of scary. I mean, especially the using the analogy of battery acid. You know, I'd always heard that if you soak something like in taco sauce, it would disintegrate. And it sure. sounds like it's the same thing for, for sports drinks. And four of them, five days in a row. Sounds like a lot of sports right. drinks, but we I know several employees uh, here at the laboratory who drink that much. And I'm going to go ahead and warn them that they're basically eating their teeth away. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Now let's go ahead and take a closer look at the case of the week. Today's case is a Bruxer crown that the doctor requested on tooth number 18. And the doctor requested very light to no occlusion. Um, and that's okay. I'm not sure about the no occlusion, but very light occlusion, fine. Uh, wants a good margin. I'm not sure what that means. Is that as, as opposed to a great margin or as opposed to a bad one? And then a marginal ridge even with the adjacent teeth, proximal contact slightly uh, higher and tighter. And um, I do like the fact that we're being asked for a uh, Vita 3D Master shade and that's fantastic because I'm a big fan of the Vita 3D Master shade. So let's go ahead and take a look at what the doctor sent us. We have the impression here. And as we look around, it's um, certainly I've shown enough impressions, hopefully, where you start to get an idea in mind of what it's supposed to look like as we look as an impression. And I love to see impression material beyond the margin so that I can look and see the end of the margin and then see that nice fin of material beyond the margin, a very definite uh, bit of material in the sulcus that's really an impression of the root surface. And not quite seeing that here doesn't mean it's unusable, just means that it's not ideal. You know, we're hopefully striving for ideal impression. So it's not ideal, but until we look at the model, we're not sure whether or not, you know, the doctor would be asked to take a, a new impression. Of course, we're going to hold it up to the light to see if we can see through. I can see some contact on the anterior teeth. I don't see quite as much 
uh, as I thought I would on the first molar right in front of it. But what I definitely see is on the distal of that tooth, you can see where the prep is in fact in contact with the opposing tooth. So uh, had the dentist taken a little closer look at this impression, they would have known right off the bat that they were going to have a problem and didn't have enough reduction and probably could have taken care of it right then and taken another impression. So here's the model that's been poured up. We based out a little area here where there was a much bigger divot um, in the impression. And as we look at it, the issue is going to be when we close uh, the articulator, we're going to see that we don't have a lot of room. In fact, if we look at it from the rear, from the distal, we're going to see that we don't have a ton of room here in the area of the distal marginal ridge. The explorer tip doesn't want to fit between the prep tooth and the opposing tooth. So this resulted in a phone call to the dentist. As I flip this over, you can see the types of stickers that we put on the articulators when we call the doctors back and we're given instructions from the doctor. And the doctor actually said on this one to adjust the prep uh, with a reduction coping and mark that in red. And then also adjust the opposing to make enough room for this restoration since we don't have enough room and mark that in black. And so this kind of presents a, a difficult situation for us. It's a little tough because of reduction copings not necessarily always working. And so this is difficult for us because now we're going to have to try to do two things here. We're going to have to adjust the preparation on this distal marginal ridge and then adjust the opposing at the same time. And so that's a lot of grinding for the doctor to try to make sure that a crown's going to fit. And the reduction coping that we make here, part of this reduction is not just on the occlusal surface, but on this distal wall where we're running out of space. And this is going to lead to a difficulty making a good reduction coping that can be used by the doctor. And if it doesn't get used, then we're going to have an issue with uh, the crown not seating all the way. And then we've kind of wasted everybody everybody's time, including the patient. So. On a case like this, how would I have dealt with this where we know on a lot of these lower second molars that we don't have a lot of room to work with here. And this is one of the areas where I use one of the burrs on the reverse preparation kit that doesn't see a lot of usage in my typical crown and bridge technique. And that is the 0.6 millimeter depth cutter, the very first depth cutter you see here. We use the 1.5 and the 2 millimeter and a lot of these other burrs in my standard crown and bridge technique. In fact, we use all of them. The one that doesn't get used is this 0.6 millimeter depth cutter. And this is the one that used to be used for prepping porcelain veneers when we just wanted to reduce 6 tenths of a millimeter. It's now all of a sudden got a new use for me and I'm using it a lot more. And we'll take a close up look at this 0.6 millimeter depth cutter. It's getting a lot of use for me with Bruxer restorations just like this. And so what I'm able to do with this 0.6 millimeter depth cutter is go to a tooth that I'm going to be working on. We'll just say it's going to be the first molar, even though it was really the second molar. And I'll go to the areas where dentists commonly under-reduce. And this is a, you know, a problem certainly that I've been prone to myself. In fact, if we look and have the patient bite down on the articulator, you can see how much room we have here on the mesial buckle. The mesial buckle, we can definitely take a mirror. We can pull the patient's cheek back. This is an easy one for us to see from where we're sitting. The mesial buckle cusp is rarely under-reduced. It's always the distal buckle cusp to a certain degree, definitely the lingual cusps, both lingual cusps, and certainly the distal lingual cusp is the most often under-reduced. And also the central groove can be under-reduced a lot too because it's difficult for us to visualize where the lingual cusps from the upper molar, how deep they're going into that central groove on that prep. So how I prefer to do these preps today is to take a 0.6 millimeter depth cutter such as this one 
and I'll make a depth cut minimally on the distal buccal cusp tip, on the distal lingual cusp tip, on the mesiolingual cusp tip, and even the distal marginal ridge, and then I'll put a 0.6 millimeter hole in the central groove as well. You can put one on the mesial buccal cusp tip if you want it as well. And then basically take the burr of your choice. A football burr works really well because it's convex, and so you get a little bonus reduction, if you will. And you can go and reduce the occlusal surface kill. You can't see the depth cuts anymore. Then we know we're at least 0.6 millimeters deep. Then we know that we've got enough room for Bruxer, and we know that when the patient closes or when we close the articulated model, we definitely have enough room. If you do, if you have even more room than that, you can use the one millimeter depth cutter and put some one millimeter depth cuts on the surface and then prep till you don't see them anymore. For me, it's just so much better than trying to prep and then after the fact, trying to measure how much reduction we've done. Whether it's you know putting bite registration in here, having the patient bite into it, let it set, and then measure it with calipers or using wax or having the lab adjust the prep and the opposing. That's all just too much work for me. It's just simple, straightforward, and it's very hard to screw up if you just put some depth cuts of a known depth, 0.6 millimeters, uh, one millimeter into the occlusal surface of the tooth you're prepping, prep till you can't see the depth cuts and you know you won't get a call back from your laboratory and that you'll have a restoration that is of an optimal thickness and will have great longevity. That wraps up this edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan Strong, and everybody here at the laboratory, I wanna thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time.